Good morning. Uh, my name is Matt Weber, and I am a guest preacher for you guys here in Metro LA today. Uh, I was converted right here in this region of Metro uh, back in 2000. I was baptized at Manhattan Beach, and I was a member of this church up until 2004 when I left to go to college. Uh, now, back when I was a disciple here in LA, we weren't called Metro. Uh, we were called South Central. And for those of you who have been around a while, uh, you probably remember those days very fondly. Uh, currently, I serve as an evangelist in Boston, uh, along with my wife, who's a women's ministry leader there. And uh, we have two beautiful kids, uh, my son, MJ, who is four years old, and my daughter, Jillian, who is two. And uh, I do want to say that uh, Boston's very different than Los Angeles. We have this thing that's called snow out there. And uh, I know in LA, every time I come back to visit my folks, I'm actually in town right now visiting my parents, Doug and Joanne. And uh, every time I come back, I always look at the weather, look at In-N-Out Burger. Uh, and I think, dang, y'all have it really good out here. Uh, but I do want to say that uh, a lot of who I am today is because of this powerful and loving church. Uh, many men and women uh, who really helped raise me spiritually are right here in Metro Metro LA. And uh, if I were to start naming people, I could honestly be here for a very long time. Uh, but my wife and I, just last week, we got to spend a little bit of time uh, with Robert and Michelle Carrillo over Zoom and uh, just getting to know them better. It's, it's, it's safe to say that they, they are an incredible, incredible couple. And they're the right people for the job to lead this church. And uh, I, I believe wholeheartedly they're ahead of the game with all the things that are going on socially and politically and within the church and all sorts of areas. I mean, these guys, they know what they're doing. And I'm so glad that they're here leading a church that I care so much about. Uh, please consider yourself blessed. And after we spoke with, with Robert and Michelle, Robert, he uh, asked me if I'd be willing to preach uh, for, for you guys this upcoming Sunday today. And uh, there's no way on earth I could ever say no to preach to a group of people who I love so much that it was pretty much my, my birthplace spiritually. And so what I did is I asked Robert, I said, well, what, what's the need or what's the theme? And he said, our theme is eyes on Jesus. It doesn't get much better than that. Uh, and so that's what I'm talking about today. You know, and I want to start off uh, by sharing uh, a, a struggle of mine. Okay, I want to be real with you guys this morning. And uh, I want to share a pet peeve that I have. And there's this term that's going around today that I feel people use a little bit too loosely. And that term is the GOAT. The greatest of all time. People love to say, this person's the GOAT. That person's the GOAT. This guy, this woman, whatever it is, they say so-and-so is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And in a lot of ways, this term GOAT, it's very debatable. You know, so for instance, let's talk about sports for a second. Some sports figures. A lot of people like to say Michael Jordan is the GOAT or Tom Brady or Michael Phelps. They say so-and-so is the GOAT. This person is the greatest athlete of all time. See, these are all objective. These are all these are all up for debate. But I think we all know deep down, Kobe Bryant is the greatest of all time. Or let's say music. People like to argue and debate over who is the greatest musical artist of all times. 
You got Michael Jackson. You got Elvis. You got, of course, you got Beyonce for today. Uh, now, I'll be honest, deep down, we all know it's our very own Carrie Benoit Morales, who's from right here in Metro. But also, they like to talk about leaders. Who's the greatest leader of all time? Abraham Lincoln, Gandhi, Winston Churchill. You know, and these topics will always be disputable because they're based off opinion and preference. But there's something about Jesus that sets him apart from all these other men and women. You know, in the midst of an unstable and ever-changing world that we live in, I'm grateful to be a disciple of Jesus, a man who's steadfast, powerful, and loves unconditionally. You know, people can debate all they want, but I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is the GOAT. The Bible says of him in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, this is definitely, I believe, one of the most important passages of the entire Bible. If there's anything you want to know about the Bible, it's this passage right here in Hebrews chapter 12. It's inspiring. It's encouraging. But it's also very challenging. You know, the idea of throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles is much easier said than done, right? But it's the only way that you can run the race that is marked out for you. And everyone has a different path before them. What are those paths? It's the path to lead your family, raise your children, care for your aging children. It's the path to work your job and hopefully advance your career. It's the path to excel in school and not waste your time. It's the path to live your life and influence others along the way. You know, we can understand the value and the why behind why we need to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles, but I'll just be honest, it's tough. You know, the Bible translates Hebrews 12 verse 1 in the English Standard Version. It says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. The Message Translation translates this verse to saying, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. That's challenging. You know, you want to know what the key to this verse that we just read? What's the key to this? How do we do this? You fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You want to know how to lead your family best? Fix your eyes on Jesus. How to get the best out of your career? Fix your eyes on Jesus. How to make the most out of school? Fix your eyes on Jesus. How to have the best influence over people? Fix your eyes on Jesus. The title of the message today is Jesus, the only goat. Let's bow our heads and please pray with me as we pray for the sermon. 
Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we come before you humble, uh, submissive to your word. And God, I do pray that as I preach about Jesus being the only goat, God, that your spirit speaks clearly through me uh, with love, with sincerity, but also with authority, just like Jesus does. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we could call ourselves disciples. We thank you for the church. And Lord, we do want to pray, God, that you shepherd your church through these very tumultuous times. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, honestly, I preach about a lot of things, but nothing is more powerful or controversial than the name Jesus. Just the name Jesus carries weight. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read in verse 1. This will be our, our text for today. We're going to look at when Jesus called Simon Peter to be his disciple and what might have went on at that time. In Luke 5, starting in verse 1, the Bible says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. You know, we're going to stop here. This was a memorable day for Simon and these men. This was a life-changing day. They witnessed and experienced a miracle up close and personal. You know, so Jesus, he's out there by this lake. He's teaching a large crowd. And all of a sudden, more and more people start to come up to him. It must have been a good day of preaching. It must have been a great day at church. And the crowd is growing. And Jesus realizes he could probably project better if he weren't so crowded and bombarded by the people. So he decides to hop into Simon's boat, which is probably tied up to a post because Simon was done fishing. He hadn't caught anything that night. So he gets in Simon's boat and he says, yo, Simon, let's let's take this thing out a little bit so they can hear me better. And uh, when he finishes preaching, he gets this idea. He wants to convert Simon. He wants Simon to be one of his disciples. So he says to Simon, hey, let's go out into deep waters. Let down your net again for another catch. And maybe this was Jesus' plan all along. I have no idea. And Simon, when he hears Jesus say, let's, let's go out a little bit further and let down your net again, Simon's like, what are you talking about? He says, I've been here all night. I didn't catch a thing. I'm a fisherman. I know this lake. I know what I'm doing. 
He says to Jesus, you just got here. You're no fisherman. But you want to know what's wild is he had heard the message Jesus was preaching earlier. He noticed that Jesus didn't speak like the teachers of the law at that time. Jesus spoke with a sincerity and an authority that must have been from God. You know, I doubt that Simon was at the lake that day to hear Jesus. He he kind of just maybe happened to be at the right place at the right time. I mean, he was just getting off of work. But was this Jesus' plan all along? I, I have no idea. You know, do you remember the first time that you really heard the word of God taught or preached? The first time it really touched your soul? You know, if you do, you could probably remember who was speaking. And you probably felt something similar to what Simon felt that very day. And what Simon thought was, whatever this guy is saying, I'm buying it. I want it. And so Simon's response when Jesus says, let down your nets, he says, because you say so. Because you say so. I'll do it. And the rest is history. In other gospel accounts, Jesus says, Come follow me. You know, my guess is that when Simon decided that he was going to start following Jesus, he didn't know everything about Jesus in that moment. There's no way he could have. He had only known him for what, maybe like a few hours? Just like there's no way you or I could have known everything about Jesus when we decided to start following him. You know, I've been a follower of Jesus now for about 20 years, and I knew a fraction (laughs) I knew a fraction of what I know now when I decided to start following Jesus. I I honestly only knew about two things really well. One, I knew Jesus had the words to eternal life, and I knew his way was a lot better than mine, okay? But there's no way Simon could have known everything. There has never been, though, a man whose existence has changed and shaped the world like Jesus is. Let me prove this to you. And this is a study I got from a friend of mine. His name's Nick Shaw. You know, Jesus' very existence was prophesied about for hundreds of years. His life was so extraordinary that our entire calendar is built around his birth. You know, we have three separate holidays in remembrance of him on our calendar. And the whole world recognizes it. Even non-believers take off of work for his birthday. Every ruler, king, and president to ever walk the planet is dated in reference to Jesus. He changed the way that we look at the poor and the outcast. He changed the way we treat women and children. You know, he changed education. The first universities in our very country, like Harvard, were established to actually train priests for Christian ministry. So even our modern education system today has its roots in Jesus. You know, in the Harvard emblem, the Harvard logo, it says Veritas, as you can see there at the bottom of your screen. Veritas means truth. And the full motto for Harvard is Veritas Christo Ecclesiae, which means truth for Christ and the church. You know, Jesus changed medicine. His example of healing the sick inspired people to start institutions to provide medical support to people in need. You might have heard of these. They're called hospitals. 
You know, he never wrote a book, yet the book of his life is the most translated, sold, and even stolen book of all time. And thousands of more books have been written about him. You know, it's said that his existence has been called the greatest influence on architecture. With structures and monuments and churches. You know, this, this one right here is from, I believe, Brazil. You know, his existence is called the greatest in art as well. No one today has ever seen his face or even taken a picture of him, yet it's the most recognizable in all of art. And Christianity has inspired some of the greatest artistic works known to man. You know, we don't have any music that he ever created, yet he's the only man in history to have an entire genre of music in his honor, gospel music. You know, Jesus never held a political office, yet he transformed government so much so that the country that we live in, our young country, America, was founded on Jesus' teachings of liberty, freedom, and everyone having a voice. He didn't have any kids, yet parents everywhere model their parenting after his example. He never had a wife, yet millions of men have studied him to be better husbands and women desire a man like him. You know, what's powerful is he took 12 unschooled and ordinary men and made them into the most powerful organization the world has ever seen. You know, they were unschooled and ordinary, yet we have schools today named after them. You know, education, politics, literature, government, art, music, social work, business, marriage, and parenting, Jesus redefined them all. And then when he met the one thing that took down everyone else, he defeated it by straight up rising from the dead. He only lived on this planet for maybe a little over 30 years, yet his influence lives today more than any dynasty or royal family. You know, many other religious leaders have walked the earth claiming to be something Yet none have had the impact Jesus has had, and none have risen from the dead. Muhammad, Buddhist, Buddha, Confucius, none could do what Jesus did. You know, I came across, across this quote from Christian Today. It says, the greatest man in history is Jesus. He had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He had no, he had won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. And today, grown men and women drop everything and drastically change their lives in pursuit of being more like him. Jesus was perfect. He was the perfect balance of love and sternness, grace and truth, authority and relatability, intensity and sincerity. He was the greatest balance of vision and being in the moment. Jesus is the only goat. When we talk about Jesus, we ought to put some respect on his name, or the quote, put some respect on his name. You know, even his opponents recognized his greatness. I love these two passages. One of my favorite passages about Jesus is Matthew 22, verses 15 and 16. It says, Then the Pharisees, who were Jesus' opponents, 
went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, get this, this is the respect Jesus has. We know that you're a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. That's Jesus' opponents recognizing his greatness. Or how about in John 17, scripture at the bottom. I actually put John 18, excuse me, it's actually John 17. The Bible says, when those who came to arrest Jesus, it says, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, I'm he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Even those who were arresting him recognized that he's the greatest of all time. Now, if you're new to our church, you know, I don't need to convince you at this point that Jesus is the greatest of all time. Just just look around. Just look at the facts. So let's go back to Luke 5 on this day that Simon met Jesus for the first time. You know, I don't think Simon quite knew everything about the man he was about to follow. He didn't know everything, but he knew enough at that moment to say, because you say so, I'll do it. You know, we know far more now looking back at the facts about who Jesus is. So shouldn't we have great faith as well, just like Simon? You know, I remember the first time I saw Jesus in other people. Many of you who are watching this sermon right now, watching this service, I saw Jesus in you for the first time. And I was inspired by the content of your character. You know, I remember the first time I started studying the Bible with brothers and sisters right here in Metro LA. We used used to actually meet for church at the Proud Bird. I don't know what that was, but that's where we used to meet for church back in the day. Um, I remember when I started to see Jesus in the Bible for the first time. And I remember the first time I experienced Jesus. You know, I was challenged and still am by the example Jesus laid. I'm inspired by Jesus, but I'm also attracted to Jesus. I started seeing what it really meant to be a Christian. And I thought, there's no way I could do this. But because you say so, I will. And you know what I love about Jesus is that he'll take what you can give him. He takes the young, the old, the rich, the poor, the healthy, the sick, the black, the white. He takes the smart and the not so smart. Just give him what you got and he'll meet you where you're at. The because you say so faith is all about trusting the Lord. It's about following through even if it doesn't make sense. Simon hadn't caught anything all night. And it wasn't like all of a sudden there was going to be fish that spawned out of nowhere for him to catch. It's about trusting him even when we go through deep waters. And many of us have some deep, deep waters in our lives. What are some of these deep waters? How about health challenges? Health challenges are very deep waters. 
I mean, guys, we're going through a pandemic right now. Many of us are, are at risk. There's health challenges. And that's not even to talk about the mental health that we're going to see increase after all this and, and during the end of this. Marriage. Marriage is one of the greatest blessings we can ever experience. But marriage is deep waters. And I know a lot of us, since this pandemic, since the shelter in place, this quarantine, tensions have been a little high. You know, my wife and I get to disciple many couples in Boston, and we've seen that within homes, there's new battles being dealt with. A lot more tension. Marriage is deep waters. What about parenting? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Parenting is deep waters. Many of us are home with our kids now more than we ever have in a long time. You know, my kids are four and two. I don't even need to start how deep a water that is, okay? (laughs) Y'all already know. Parenting is deep waters. Relationships, that's deep waters. I know there's many people right now who are struggling with loneliness and not being able to meet up and see their friends. Finances, oh my gosh, that's deep waters. I mean, come on, the economy. It's like uh, we have more questions than we have answers. Many of us have been furloughed or collecting unemployment and we're wondering how much longer is this, how, how is this sustainable? That finances are deep waters. What about the racial matters? Uh, that, is, that is a whole other sermon. But that is deep waters today. I mean, it's, it's the hot topic. And don't even get me started on politics. That is deep waters. Guys, we live in deep waters. What do we need to do when we're out in deep waters? Fix our eyes on Jesus. Because he is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We've got to have that because you say so faith. You know, guys, listen, we don't have time to take our eyes off of Jesus. There's way too much at stake. Consider when, here's another example. Consider when Simon, who we just read about after he started following Jesus, consider the time that he was walking on water and he took his eyes off of Jesus. What does the Bible say in Matthew 14? See, at this point, he was called Peter in Jesus's ministry. But in Matthew 14, the Bible says when Jesus, you know, Peter saw Simon Peter saw Jesus walking out on water. He says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Peter wanted to walk on water just like Jesus. Jesus says to him, come. Then Peter got down out the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. We can assume that at this moment, he's looking at Jesus. He has his eyes fixed on Jesus. But then it says here, but when he saw the wind, when he saw the wind. So when he starts looking around, He was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. You ever had those prayers? Lord, save me. What are we looking at? Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? You know, keeping your eyes on Jesus and having the because you say so faith is not easy. It's very difficult. But we've got to look at what Jesus said and we've got to say, and we've got to humbly say, okay, Jesus, because you say so, I'm going to try this. Here's some examples of some of the things Jesus said that are very difficult. But we've got to have that because you say so, faith. 
How about loving your enemies? Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 44, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Loving those who persecute us, regardless to why they persecute us. We've got to love those, whether it be racial or religious or relational or because of our performance. We've got to love those who persecute us because you say so, Jesus. How about this one? Storing up treasures in heaven. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19, don't store up don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. He says, don't live for this world. Don't be materialistic. Store up treasures in heaven. Here's another one. You know, Jesus talked about worry and anxiety. He says, don't worry. That's a lot easier said than done. Saying, what shall we eat? That's what I think about all day. What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. He says this though. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says, don't worry about those things. Seek first the kingdom. Because you say so. I'll seek first the kingdom. Here's another one. The road is narrow. It says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Jesus is talking about don't follow the crowd. Enter through the narrow gate. Go against the grain. Be countercultural. Because you say so, I will do it. How about this one? Luke 9. 23, he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? This is Jesus' teaching. He says that if we deny ourselves, if we refuse to acknowledge ourselves and live our life to serve him, to follow him, we will save ourselves. That's so hard to do, but... Because you say so, I will do it. Oh, how about this one? This one's not preached enough. We've got to serve the less fortunate. Serving the needy, that is a salvation matter. Jesus says, Matthew 25, 41, he said to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? Check this out. Verse 45, he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. Wow, guys, we've got to humble ourselves and serve those who are less fortunate, who are poor, who are in need. But we won't be saved. That's a hard teaching, but because you say so, I'll do it. Oh man, this one. This is one that I know some of us have a hard time believing that the harvest is plentiful. Jesus said in Luke 10, he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in the harvest field. And I know many of us, we share our faith. We invite people to church. We, we, we try to study the Bible with people. And have, sometimes we lose faith that what Jesus said is true, that the harvest is plentiful. And so what we do is we stop working. That's why he says the workers are few. But he also says the harvest is plentiful. Let down your net. Jesus, because you say so, I will. And lastly, he says in Matthew 28, 20, as surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, oftentimes we wrestle, God, are you, is the Lord with me? We lack faith and we lack confidence. But Jesus says the very last verse of Matthew, and I guess the scribe Matthew thought it's so important that this is how he's going to conclude his gospel in Matthew 28, when Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age, because you say so, Lord, I will. This because you say so faith is so much easier said than done. And like Simon, you may be tired from working all night. You may be experienced or a professional. You may have been around for a while. Or what the Lord is calling you to do may not make a lick of sense. But we got to have the because you say so faith. What's the key to this? It's obedience. That is the key to because you say so faith. To keeping your eyes on Jesus. It's obedience. You know, I believe wholeheartedly, and I'm going to be real with you guys. I believe wholeheartedly the reason why we're going through what we're going through as a nation and as a people is because the Lord wants to get into your boat and tell you to let down your nets for the catch. He wants to see if you'll follow him. Do you believe that Jesus is the goat? Are you humble enough to take Jesus at his word? Can you have the faith to take Jesus at his word? You know, so in conclusion, I want to go back to Hebrews 12 where we started out. And we left off in verse 2. Well, I want to pick up in verse 3. And the Hebrew writer says at the end of this passage, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You ever grow weary? <laughs> you ever started to lose heart? The Hebrew writer says, consider him. You know, in the author of the book of Hebrews, he writes this book to a group of struggling Christians who endured so much persecution. And he reminds them in the midst of everything that you're going through, you need to consider Jesus. You need to fix your eyes on Jesus. He endured such opposition from sinners. Look at him so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. You know, I want to challenge us. What are my three practicals? You know, I didn't have three points today, but three practicals. One, I want to encourage you, study Jesus. And I don't mean just read your Bible. I mean study Jesus. Let's not be religious. Let's be followers of Jesus. Study a gospel. Read other books on Jesus's life. That'll help you fix your eyes on Jesus. Two, pray to see Jesus. What do you mean by that? Well, we pray to God. We say, God, help me to see Jesus today. And guess what? You'll see opportunities to serve the poor, to serve your neighbors, 
to share your faith. Have, have Pray prayers that you can have the eyes that Jesus had, the heart that Jesus had, opportunities that Jesus would take advantage of. And then lastly, we've got to obey. We've got to listen. There's a song we used to sing back in the day. I got to sing when the Spirit says sing. Got to listen when the Spirit says listen. Got to go. We, we used to sing that song years ago. I don't know if we still sing it today, but we've got to obey. We've got to respond when the Spirit of Jesus prompts us. We've got to respond when we read the words on the page and it tells us to live a certain life. We've got to not disregard that and actually obey because you say so. Guys, listen, we're already in deep waters. 2020 is deep waters. So what do we have to do when we're in deep waters? We let down our nets. And look what happened when Simon let down his nets. Let's go back to Luke 5 and verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Let me remind you, hours before this, he caught nothing. But when he started listening to Jesus, he had such a large catch that his nets began to break. He had to get another boat to come and help him haul it in. God blesses obedience on his timing. When you're tired, fix your eyes on Jesus. When you've been at it all night, fix your eyes on Jesus. When it doesn't make sense, fix your eyes on Jesus. When your when your spouse is getting under your skin, fix your eyes on Jesus. When your children are being disrespectful, fix your eyes on Jesus. When people are saying nasty, racist comments, fix your eyes on Jesus. When people don't wear masks, fix your eyes on Jesus. When the finances are in question, fix your eyes on Jesus. When you get sick, fix your eyes on Jesus. When you lose loved ones, fix your eyes on Jesus. Never take your eyes off of Jesus. He's the goat. I want to conclude by reading Philippians 2 verses 9 through 11. The amplified version of the Bible says, for this reason also, because he being Jesus obeyed and so completely humbled himself, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in submission of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that at, and that every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, sovereign God, to the glory of God the Father. Let me tell you something. You don't have to like Jesus, but you will respect him. You don't have to follow him, but you will bow down one day. You don't have to deny him and you will be saved by him. Brothers and sisters, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's have the because you say so faith when we read the Bible and we won't be frightened in the deep waters, but we'll be bringing in the big catch. Jesus is the only goat. Metro LA, I love you guys. I'm so grateful for what you've meant what you've been in my life and what you mean to my family. I pray only the best for you guys. Uh, God bless you. And in the words of the prophet Montel Jordan, South Central does it like nobody else. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you for joining us. I hope this has been educational and inspiring for you. If you'd like to know more, please join us 
by going to study.laicc.net and we'll be happy to contact you and help you in any way we can.